0: Hello everyone, my name is Kendall, and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. And this is that half. In these book club episodes of this podcast, my guests and I will be bonding over my favorite hobby, reading, getting to know their relationship to books, the ones they love, the ones that have made the biggest impact on them, and so much more. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences, opinions, and possible book spoilers throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special book club episode of this podcast. It is a part one to a two-parter. And I am here with the co-authors of Unwrapped, The Pursuit of Justice for Women Educators, Dr. Kendra Washington Bass and Kelly Peaks Horner. Ladies, thank you for joining me. Thank
1: Thank you for for having having us.
0: us. I'm so excited to get into this. I'm so excited to talk about your book. But first, I got to ask, do you guys like to read? And what is your relationship to reading? Kendra, you want to go first?
1: Oh, sure. Look at it. I mean, you can't see us, but we were, <laughs> we were trying both passing it off to each other, trying <laughs> to give each, give each other grace and permission. Um, yes. I think Kelly will probably say the same thing. We are book addicts. So we see something and we're it's in our inbox and we're ordering it. I have so many books that I have read or been in the middle of reading and then reading another one that in some cases I get confused about the content, Um, But yes, I love to read books. I learned the joy of reading books as I was reading more about who I was um, or books that are um, either historical fiction or definitely um, history books, which is why I was a language arts and history teacher. And um, I use books to help fill in gaps filling gaps in my education to help open my mind to other possibilities and perspectives. So usually the books I read uh, provide me the energy and fuel to, in some cases, keep fighting for the things that I'm passionate about because I try to wrap myself around books that, um, that align to my values and help me find the words or have the heart and the empathy to do what I do.
0: I love that. That's a great answer. Cause I don't usually pick up the ones that I want to learn more about unless it's something I'm already interested in. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of being like, you know, I want to learn about this from scratch. I have no knowledge and why do not I pick up a book about it? So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Kelly, what about yeah. you? Yeah. So reading for me is
2: um, I think the metaphor is almost like, you know, the dominoes that you hit one and they just keep falling over Mm. where I will, much like Kendra, I tend, especially over the last couple of years, I've been reading more books on, um, issues that I'm interested in that I want to go deeper in, um, books that will help me. Oh, I'll just use the word unwrap things. (laughs) I've never, I've never learned before. Um, I like, like Kendra said, gaps in my own education, those kinds of books. But what happens is I'll read one book and something will come up in that book and I'll go, wait, I need to know more. So then there's another domino. Wait, I need to know more. So it's almost like reading leads into the next, into the next, into the next, into the next. Mm -hmm. And I read more nonfiction, um, but I have kind of said to myself, I need to read some just some good stories in between mm. because good storytelling is really important. And it's part of the work that Kendra and I do around storytelling. So I need to read those in between. So, um, yeah, and they're, they can be all over the place, you know, from issues on women, uh, racial issues, just political, they're kind of all over.
0: So how much of the books that you both read are for the story and for entertainment and how much of it is for the knowledge, and do you ever kind of read two books at the same time, a fiction and a nonfiction, like how do you go about your reading like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I do that, so one of the things as my sort of back-to-school um, charge, so my own personal growth, is to continue to read books relative to my work, but also to read um books for fun, books for joy. Mm -hmm. And um, I love science fiction. I love thrillers. I am into that. I love horror. And so I just started picking up Octavia Butler's books. And so I got two of hers, The Parable of the Sower and The Parable of the uh, Talons. And so I will start reading her books this weekend. I just got them. And then another book around um, coaching uh, mm-hmm. for leaders called Onward by Elena Aguilar. So I am I I'm doing those two things because the work that we do when we start reading books around issues for me is triggering. It's very emotion laden. And so I need something to sort of break away into another sort of cognitive space that um, I think, bring, again, brings me some joy and sort of bounces mm-hmm. me out of that
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm really bad at trying to, you know, it's, I, I, in, in the leadership development work, I do, I tell leaders all the time, there's no such thing as multitasking and I do it all the time. (laughs) And I'm trying to multitask reading two, three, sometimes four books all at one time. And I'll get really into one and then I'll go, wait a minute, I I need to go over here. And then, and then I forget, what did I just read last time? Cause I haven't picked it up in three weeks. And it's, it's really a bad habit. I need to just finish one and go to the other. So, so that's my reading practice. Um, I also will have a pile of books from, you know, bookshop.org in my basket Buy them. And because I'm mostly, cause I'm afraid I'll forget about them. So I go ahead and buy them and they're on deck, right? Deck might mean a, a year from now, you know, six mm-hmm. months from now. Um, but it's that, yeah, it's that balance. And I need to balance that a little more with, uh, just really good stories. Um, I just picked up, um, and I don't get the title wrong, um, Demon Copperhead, which is Barbara King-Soliver's Pulitzer Prize winning book, um, that is just supposed to be just a good story. So that one, I'll start soon, but I'll just keep reading all those. And just like Kendra, there's a lot I read for work. um, And once I've kind of used it, and I tab it, and it almost becomes a textbook for Mm -hmm. me, and I can refer to it over and over again. So those are more utilitarian type of books. Um, And I just need to have, and then I have books of of things that I'm just interested in. And then, you know, the ones that are just good storytellers, but I just need to do, I I think I need, and that's kind of a a commitment I made to myself is, let's finish one (laughs) before maybe we go on to two, three, and four.
0: (laughs) And do you both use Goodreads? Or have you ever used Goodreads? as a way of tracking your books, seeing reviews, et cetera?
1: Yeah, you know what? Um, I've used them sparing. I've used it mm-hmm. sparingly, but I think in this, so in the past year, I've used word of mouth. I have a friend of mine who is, if I go to her and be like, what are you reading? She will tell me what's the latest and greatest. Um, she does mostly audiobooks because of her job. Um, see, she she just listens to them. So she has lots of recommendations for books. And, and that's how I got back into reading fiction from a lot of her recommendations. So I see her about once a month. And so she gives me an update on the book that she's reading. And then I pass on something that I'm, I'm reading. I find that I like to listen to the books if I'm walking or doing something around the house, but I also like to have the book Mm -hmm. in my hand, especially if the narrator of the book is the author, then I love to listen to that person's voice and read. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm paying that author twice. And I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, especially if it's a memoir. Like certain authors, like Trevor Noah reads his own memoir and that's how my mom listened to it. And she, because he's a comedian, you get the comedy of him in his own story and
1: so that's yeah.
0: a great way for an audiobook.
1: Yeah for sure.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And gosh,
2: you made me you I just completely forgot about Audible. Uh, there's all that. <laughs> yep. There's all that Libby, too. yeah, Libby, Audible, yeah. all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I use, you know, I use Audible more than goodreads to screen because sometimes mm-hmm. what I'll do is I'll buy a book on Audible, I'll listen to it while I take my walk or you know or in the car. And I'll say, okay, I need that hard copy because I need to take notes. I need to tab it. I need, you know, or Mm -hmm. yeah, this is good information, but I'm not sure I need the hard copy. I don't use Goodreads. And I'll tell you to me, sometimes it's, it's like listening to the critics for a movie, you know, I, and it's, if I'm interested in it, and like Kendra, I would rather get a recommendation from someone who read it and said, you know what, it's neither, it, 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 it just kind of repeats itself. It's not, you know, really, it's not that as in-depth as I think mm-hmm. you'd want to go. Um, or, yeah, this was awesome. You know, someone who's, who I know has, or I have other interests. One of the books that um, I'm about to finish is The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Oh, my and, gosh. And there's a reason I'm reading that. And this is how I choose books. One, you know, her family just won a huge award
1: sure finally did. on her finally. birthday.
2: Yes, August first. Yes. And, and if your um, if your audience has not read that book and know who Henrietta Lacks is, they need to read it because they they are they need to be incredibly grateful to her mm-hmm. um, uh, and the injustice that was um, done to her. But the other reason I'm reading it is I live right outside of Roanoke, Virginia. And in this fall, Roanoke is replacing a Confederate soldier monument with a monument of Henrietta Lacks. Wow. So when I found that out, and it's they've, it's been in place for the like the last year, and the sculptor is a professional sculptor, but the creator of the sculpture is a very young black man who is incredibly talented artist. And so when I found out that was going to happen, I knew this is how I choose one way to choose books I knew I needed to know the story and so that's so that's what drives me to books more than someone who I don't know an anonymous critic saying "Mm, not so good or not as good as the last one you know let me read it and I'll decide Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I like that I also like that you get to pull in like we said, like there's entertainment books, but then the books that relate to like your life or your history or your experience or somebody else's experience and then be able to see that kind of live in the real world with you is really a cool part of it as well. Yeah. And so what are some of your favorite books? I know that's a hard
1: question. Hmm. Well, I absolutely loved um, Finding Me. That was one of my favorite. I loved Becoming with Michelle Obama. Um, but my favorite book, I think of all time, was The Color Purple. Really? I, I remember reading it in, in the high school. Um, I, I remember reading it, was it high school? Let me see. Yeah, because I, I read it, before, so it must have been earlier than that because I think it came out in, the, I think the movie came out in the early nineties or,
0: whatever. Yeah, but and the it was new
1: movie. The new oh yeah, that's movie coming out. out. I have I'm not quite sure about that yet, but <laughs> it's like it's a musical version of the the book slash the the film, but it's still done by I think um, Steven Spielberg. But there was something about that story, something about Alice Walker's style of writing. Um, that has always intrigued me. Alice Walker and Maya Angelou, I Know Why the Kayser Bird Sings. Mm -hmm. Those are two of sort of my favorite books that I think, because they tell the story of of women in a way that I think captures the essence of Black women experience, whether it is A Black woman's experience in the early 1900s or today. There are just some things that transcend through both of those books, whether it is internalized sort of caging Mm -hmm. and internalized socialization around um, uh, your place as a woman, as a wife in in white society, in Black culture. And the fact that both women in both books, whether it's Maya Angelou's, um, her own life or the life of Celie came out of that. And I just love, even in the musical where she just exclaimed, I'm still here. And there's something to be said about that strength, but the people forget what women have to go through to exclaim at the end, "I'm still here." So those are the two books that I think—no, not that I think—I know have absolutely shaped my life or been memorable in my mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That um, that I love.
0: And Kelly, what yeah. about you? Um, so there's a there's a couple books
2: that. Um, and I know I'm going to forget the author and the title, but if I describe it to you, I, what, when I, I when I think about times in my life when I was the most voracious reader, it was when my kids were very very young, and I would get up in the middle of the night to nurse them, and as I was nursing them, I would also read, and I remember that to those months, I I probably went through a dozen books because. Partly was as they fall asleep, I just keep reading, keep reading and keep reading. But they were books that were just, they were nonfiction just for enjoyment. They were what I would call like beach books, you Mm. know, summer, summer reading kind of beach books. And they always have those kind of books. I'm always looking at the beginning. What's the book for the summer? You know, what's the book everybody's reading this summer? What's everybody reading at the pool or at the beach? Because it has, um, it has an emotional connection um, for me. So I still like those kind of books. But a couple of years ago, I started, and actually my daughter Shelby um, kind of got me on this kick a little bit because I watched her doing it, started rereading some of the old kind of classic books that we read, that we had, that we were forced to read in English literature class. Like I reread East of Eden. Um, mm. I reread Little Women. I re, I reread just because it's, interesting to come to it with a new perspective, more experience. Um, you can bring more to the story. I don't have a teacher standing over me going, you're going to have to write a six page essay when this is done. I can read it and just enjoy the story. And I, and, and I really enjoyed doing that. And I want to go back and do that because I think those books had more meaning than I knew when I was in high school or even college literature classes than when I read them now, those stories are, they're, they're timeless for a reason, right? So mm-hmm. I want to go back and reread some of those. You know, I reread Little Women in a way that I went, you know, the strength of women, you know, the, the these women at the time, these daughters and this mother and, um, and even in East of Eden, you know, strong women characters. So, you know, I, I, I know there's a lot of books that come out all the time, but there's something that I would invite people to go back at some point in time and just look at the class. You can go to any bookstore and there's always a classic section, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're, and they're usually cheap. Just grab a few of those too. um, And, and, and read them now with a different lens on life. You've got more life experience. You've got, you know, different ways of thinking and reread Mm -hmm. them and see what you can take from them.
0: Yeah. I think I'd like to do that with all of the books that you both just said, because I think Mm -hmm. all of them would have a different impact now as an adult and having lived through certain things in life. Um, And Mm -hmm. so my next question would be with which Kendra, you kind of already answered, but what are some of the books that have had the biggest impact on you and why? Mm.
1: Yeah, um, so let me connect what I said before with um, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings and the color purple with the two sort of contemporary ones, which is the memoir Finding Me by Viola Davis and Becoming Michelle Obama. All, all four of those women are black. Um, and all four of those women talk about being black in the positions in which they were in. Mm-hmm. Whether it was, you know, in the color purple with Celie basically being married off. To a much older man and fulfilling the duties of being a wife and being abused, exploring her sexuality, having her sister t- torn away from her in, in in the South, right? And then, you know, the autobiography basically of of, of Maya Angelo and her experience as a young black woman abused and getting and getting out of her situation contrast that with Michelle Obama and like in the most powerful position that a woman can be in, you know, beside her husband as the first lady, what that even meant, right? The stereotypes of that. And then you have Viola Davis being an award-winning actress who consistently is compared to, or trying to be compared to other actresses and not getting the same pay not Saying it really the same credit, and then all of what she had to go through as a dark skinned African American actress mm-hmm. and how she shows up and the roles that come to her. Um, all of those, I think the connection I'm making here is stories like those have an impact on me because I feel like I definitely can relate to bits and pieces of the story, whether it is personal or environmentally, like family members or friends and peers. And yet those four stories in their own way, in their own time, we see the same patterns <laughs> over and over again. So I think um, to to synthesize this, like this, the book that had the most impact I would say um, I can't single it out as one, mm-hmm. right? It's a co- it's a collection mm-hmm. of of stories. Um, it is a collection of of the moments in time for these four women that I think have had a significant impact on my own storytelling, as well as the unwrapping that Kelly and I are doing. Like, mm-hmm. so how, how, how to take what these women did and how do I, how do I use those still strategies? What is, what is good to use? What is not? What are the lessons learned and so forth? So that's how I answer that. I, I don't have a particular one that had the most impact, but definitely the collection of those stories did. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I love that answer. I think it's great the way that you can tie them together and, the fact that they do all share something and have an impact on you in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. Kelly.
2: Well, let me let me set the stage here because I can't think of another, as Kendra was talking, I was trying to think back years, you know, what really had the biggest impact on me. So, so let me just kind of set the moment. Um it was in in 2020, and Kendra and I were starting to talk about. What we were going through individually, our work experiences—you know how we were really looking for kind of our next journey. Um, I was a little ahead of her, having gone through my own—I call it work trauma. Work trauma. She was beginning to go through hers, and at the same time, the world was shut down because of COVID, and. We all witnessed on video the murder of a black man in Minnesota. Um, We we witnessed for the I think for many for the first time we witnessed what the, the black community the communities of color have been trying to tell the white community for a very long time, and we witnessed the murder of George Floyd. And as a white woman, I could react several ways. But I think maybe the educator and learner in me said, I I need to know more because I was reading all these posts on social media about this. And and I'm like, wait a minute, there's gaps in my own understanding. And so the book that kicked off, I think a whole unwrapping of my own internalized racism, understanding of my white privilege. It was, for me personally, it was a game changer. And I think it was a life changer. And I think it's part of what brought brings Kendra and I together, because I have to do my own work separate from she and I, in order for she and I to show up together um, in the work that we're doing. And so that was how to be an anti-racist by um, Ibram X. Kennedy. Everybody was reading that at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember reading it and, you know, here he was, not too far from where we, we live, you know, in Maryland. And and I Mm -hmm. knew the places he was talking about and I'm reading it. I'm going, and he would talk about a moment in history. I'm like, what? I never learned that. Then he'd go on and say something else. I went, okay, I need, if this one book has ignited that in me, what's next Uh, stamp from birth that that was another one. And I listened to that. That's one that I also listened to uh, that was powerful to listen to on audio. Um, and then from there, I started, I read, I'm still here, which is written by a black woman. That's when I discovered really white, white women feel like we can touch black women's hair. I'd never heard of that before in my life. And she was explaining the times that she would show up and white women would violate her space and think that, you know, they could pet her and touch her. And I, and so there were things I started to learn that never, ever had mm-hmm. I ever thought about these things that led to discovering um Angela Davis that disco- uh moved to discovering um you know just so many other black women um social justice um activists and warriors and and the books that they read so you know if you looked at my my shelf right now a lot of them are on um racial reckoning um filling in the histories that I didn't know. That's a Mm -hmm. lot of my, because that's a lot of where I need to understand my place in the world um, as a white woman. So I I think that book and, you know,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. thank you, Kendi. I think that book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, kicked off, Mm -hmm. made some of the greatest impact in my Mm -hmm. life and kicked off uh, a whole new way of showing up and, and actually a whole new mission around the reason why we
0: wrote the book. Yeah, yeah. No, I can relate to that entirely. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I went through that as well, like reading those books and even finding um, fiction versions for not to say the entertainment purpose, but to have a fiction story as well. And I was telling Kelly about one of them, Such a Fun Age by, um, by yeah, by Keely Reed. And it was, also one where I sat there uncomfortable and I had to sit in that uncomfort and then wonder why I felt uncomfortable and kind of think about that a little bit more. And so I, Mm -hmm. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of my questions that I like to ask my guests is what is a book that you'd like to read again for the very first time?
1: Mm. Okay. So one other book that I should have said too, which was Which is an interesting game changer. So Ibra Max Kendi's book I, I read and and really had to do my own additional research and education, because even as a black woman, there were things that were not taught to us in school either. Right. Things that were passed down through oral history, through your local griots in the community. And then there are some things that weren't right until you discover them. But Isabel Wilkerson's book *Cast*, so I read it, um, and I need to—I need to reread it again. So I—I I, I read it, um, and from it, I was really angry, mm-hmm. <laughs> lots of emotion. So she describes um, sort of the racial construct in the United States as similar to um, an Asian caste system, that it's a caste system that we're living in and describing who is in the caste, this hierarchy of who gets access, who doesn't, and what policies and things get played out. So she goes even deeper than, than race, even though race is the main construct. She's like, all right. And even within race, there are caste systems, right? Colorism exists, gender is it exists in it. And so I want to reread it now because I was reading it. I think it was during 2020, right? I was reading it during a time where I was just like, I'm reading all the stuff because I'm mad as hell. Mm -hmm. And you know, I just was rage was driving a lot of my reading at that point. Um mm-hmm. and so so uh which which is how I read books. I read books through emotion. And, mm-hmm. but now I now I have more clarity and I want to be, I want to understand it even further. I've listened to her speak um mm-hmm. as she's describing parts of her book and I was like, okay, I do, I do need to go back through it. I, her other one is the warmth of other sons, which I haven't gotten through uh, yet. But cast is what I want to reread, and I, I recommend that as a a read for people just to think about um, the a different a different construct around the way that we have divvied up sort of the haves and have-nots over generations and where that began. Uh, so, yeah, I want to reread that book. I want to read that book.
0: I'm about to put that on my Goodreads. That yes, please. Really
1: good. Yes, please do. Cast. Isabel Wilkerson.
0: Um,
2: I would, first of all, let me just second that. I read it, plus I listened to it on Audible. And it reads like a history book. And mm-hmm. I think that's why you have to read it more than once. Because... There's so much um, teaching she does in that book around uh, why we have the systems we have today, you know mm-hmm. and and really how and why we even created a race structure. Mm-hmm. you know there was a there was a capitalistic need for a race structure. Um, there was a there was so you know, someone had to be at the bottom. And because, mm-hmm. you know, because it was a white controlled culture, you know, they had to create this system so that everyone knew their place, if you would, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I would second that one. I would also say, I think I want to go back and read or listen to because the voice of this author and, and I ha- I'll i have to get the author is stamped by birth. That's another one that's very kind of like cast where he's telling so much history we never learned that you pick up a few of those stories you remember them and then you have to go back and say okay where are the ones that I don't remember and I have to go back and read those again
1: first let me just go back Kelly you said stamp from birth but I think it's "Stamped from the beginning okay that's it that's yeah, it yeah. stamp from the yeah. beginning and yeah. I think Thank that's you. that's yeah that's Ibram X Kendi's stamp from the beginning that's his yes. other one because uh, yeah. I know it's like 400,000 pages <laughs> It's a thick, it's, it's a thick, and so many stories, so many stories, and so many different anecdotes. And people he's put a collection of people he's brought together to tell some of those, um, historic, those history yeah. stories.
2: But then there's another one and an author that I love, and I just thought about her, and that's Sue Monk Kid. I like Sue Monk Kid's book. She wrote, um, The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. Mm-hmm. and It's really about a woman's coming into her own after being raised in a very conservative um, evangelical kind of family and and her. Finally, uh, I, I like to say sometimes, you know, when we read these kinds of books the the our lens becomes clearer you know we we just we start seeing clearer and there are things that now we can never unsee there's things we can ignore but we can never unsee them um but she talks about how the position of women within the evangelical church and how she started to want to change that the struggle but then how she came through that on the other side around as a woman, I'm okay. And no one's Mm going to, you know, that she had to shed some of that um, shame that the church was giving her and things like that. But it's a, it's a beautiful book. She also wrote um, a book that called the book of longings. And it's a fiction book because it's the story of Jesus written from if as if he were married and it's written from his wife's point of view oh
0: interesting and it's
2: it's really really good it's just um it's it's a woman's voice it's a woman's story um and it's 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 factually there's in fact she she says in one podcast she said that uh at one point her daughter had to tell her quit researching you know the greek and roman time during that time you know, and you know more about how, you know, Coliseums were built because of the research you did for this book than anybody just write the book. And it's mm. a beautiful story. Mm. If, as if, um, you know, Jesus had, had fallen in love and married, what would the, what would that, what would that
0: whole yeah story be from the lens of his wife? Mm. That's interesting. It's yeah, it's very good. And so this question, I'm curious, do you think the book is always better than the movie? And
1: why? <laughs> I will say, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, we, I have this debate with friends all the time. Um, so yes, I am a person who will read the book before seeing the movie. Um, mm-hmm. In some cases I'll read the book and not see the movie.
0: Oh, okay. And just
1: be like, mm. so the color purple, for example, I was like, <laughs> right. Cause you know, there's certain, it's Hollywood. So mm-hmm. there's certain parts of it that you're like, oh, that's romanticized. Mm-hmm. But that is not really how it went down. Like it is, it is much more atrocious mm-hmm. what happened to silly than what you saw on TV. Right. Um, in the movies. So the reason why I like books um, first before film is I get to connect with it in a different way. Um, I get to assign sort of the characters and what they will look like based on the imagery in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes when you try to do that on film, it can come out as caricatures or the stereotypes and biases come through big time. Like I want my own personal stereotype and bias, right. Yeah. Created in my head around what that means and make that connection. I think some films do a good, good job of sort of holding true to the book, but there are parts, there are times where I've watched a film and felt disappointed around particular scenes or whatever. And was like, oh, or a little mittens
0: of mm-hmm. a particular
1: chapter or the sort of paring down of a crucial yeah. moment that changed the trajectory of a character's life. So I I am a huge proponent of read the book. I tell my children, like, do do not see that movie until <laughs> you read, read the book. If anything, I mean, I've given them the book, like, read this. before you go and see that. I mean, even thrillers, right? Like Michael Crichton's books, right? It's like, okay, Jaws, read it before seeing it. Now Mm -hmm. Jaws came out in 1975, so I was (laughs) three years old. So I could not read Michael Crichton's book on Jaws, Uh, but I did go back to read it, right? So I find that things that I really like in the movies will have come out and they said, we know that was a film first. I mean, a book first. Mm I will read the book before I'll see the movie, hands down.
2: Yeah, yep at 100%. And I think part of a lot of it is because uh we lose the ability to imagine, we lose the ability in the book then to create our own characters, the mm-hmm. way they look, the way they feel, the way they smell, the way they we lose that ability because when we watch it on screen, we're receiving yeah. the producer's version of those mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. And so when yeah. we read it, when we read it, we get to create that world. Mm-hmm. And I remember the movie that hit me and I went, Nope, not again. And, and I just remembered the author when I was, um, nursing the, the girls, I read a lot of Pat Conroy books. And I remember I read Prince of Tides. Mm-hmm. Then I went to see the movie with Barbara Streisand and I went, this is only a third of the book. Where's the rest of the story? This wait a minute she didn't go from there to that what happened to all that in between well they only have what two hours an hour yeah. yep. whatever so they got to get all of that content into and that's when I, I i remember so clearly walking i go, nope never again will i go yep. see a movie and because the book has so much more detail in it and 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 i got to create the characters in my mm-hmm. mind before you know if i read it now i, I would see barbara stysan as the psychiatrist -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And Nick Nolte is the patient. So uh so I'm not gonna do that anymore. So yeah, so I hundred percent agree because it 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 doesn't rob us from the ability to create that fantasy world in our mind that authors are trying to create.
1: Yeah. But but I'll say this too, like as a counter. So it's gonna sound like two things out of my mouth. So I I am a I am a film buff, right? I got a degree in film and there is something that I love about filmmaking and storytelling. Yeah, and there is there is a place for amplifying a story to a massive audience mm-hmm. that, yeah. in some cases, would not pick up the color purple. Right. So, yeah. who picks up the color purple and reads that? Who has access to it? He even knows about it. And so, you know, Steven Spielberg created that and brought that story to a larger audience in a, I guess, a palpable way that would also force people to go back to, to, um, read the book, right? Or, um, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, Oprah Winfrey produced that yeah. film, right? That you have to read the book it, to me, to me, the film does not do it justice at all. Right. It tells an interesting slant of the story, Mm -hmm. but not the full story. But again, to people who may not know, bringing it to a larger audience does something about putting people on notice that these stories do exist. And the intention is to force them Mm -hmm. to fill in the gaps that Kelly talked about in history that they did not they were not aware that existed or the stories, they did not exist. So yeah. there's something to be said about the films doing so. I just think there's a, there's a, there's a commitment that the audience should make to read, read the book yeah. and, and really understand what was missing and the nuances of, from the author's point of view. No,
2: definitely. Yeah, I, th- And I, let me just add, because I, I, what I hear you, you say, Kendra too, is that, Art in general, whether it's books, fiction, nonfiction, movies, documentaries, good stories, art in terms of just, you know, still art, paintings, they have a societal impact, you know, and when we, when we debate this in schools, well, are we going to cut the arts program? Are we going to, it, it, it has a societal impact and it's important for our society and it's a way people can access stories. Mm -hmm outside of a book so if you're not a reader but you go see you know a book about something you didn't know then maybe it either might push you to go see the book or now you know
0: yeah you know mm-hmm. otherwise
2: you wouldn't know so so yeah I think that there is the 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 storytelling in movies is important and film is important mm-hmm. um I just think if you're a reader and you love the beauty of a good deep well thought out story, the book comes before the movie. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. And I'll even add on to that. Kelly, your daughter, Shelby, and I had a discussion on my podcast about this for an hour, but the Percy Jackson series, for example, oh, yes. was like, like my sister Morgan was obsessed and we loved those books and it's how we learned about Greek mythology before really understanding it. And we've talked before that the movie came out and it was trash. It was the worst. Now, years <laughs> later... Rick Riordan, as the author, has now signed on with Disney Plus to make, I believe it's going to be a TV show, and because it's so many years later, they have now changed it to be, the cast is going to be around the right age, the cast is more diverse, the setting is more as alive as it should be, just from the trailer, you can tell that they're taking this story and making it really current and they're making it giving it it's the homage to the story that it should have been and I think that Mm -hmm. you know having the time to sit back and do that and reevaluate it and reevaluate the place that our society is in now and how they want to tell that story is really important and Mm -hmm. will make it something that now I'll go I'll watch it you know I wasn't a hundred percent sure before but now I'll watch it because Mm -hmm. I have more I have higher hopes for it now yeah that's a good point So before I get into my final couple questions for this part one, I have a couple books prepared that I want to suggest to you both. Okay. So the first one, I thought of you, Kendra. Mm -hmm. It's called Unlikable Female Characters, The Women Pop Culture Wants You to Hate by Anna Boguska. Um, It basically takes women in film for, throughout all of the history of film and you look at the different characters like the bitch the slut whatever it is that and looks at how they're portrayed and especially to their male counterparts especially white women versus women of color and it's very interesting and it made me kind of stop and think and look at my own internalized misogyny and when it comes to different characters and so that one I really enjoyed mm-hmm. um and then in line with that is an anthology of essays called pretty bitches on being Mm -hmm. called crazy, angry, brassy, frumpy, feisty, and all other words that are used to undermine women by Lizzie Skernick and other amazing authors. And then there's one that's more historical and it's called when women ruled the world, the Six queen of Egypt, six queens of Egypt. And so it looks and tells the story of six female pharaohs and looking at how they were leaders. And then kind of comparing them or looking at women leaders today and analyzing them. And then for a fiction one, it's called The Foundling. My mom and I read it a mm-hmm. couple of months ago mm-hmm. and it's inspired by a true story about the author's grandmother, but it is a fictional tale of something that existed back in the day. So in 1927, this 18-year-old woman starts working at as a secretary at an institution for mentally wit Ill, mentally ill women, I'm using quotations because it's women who just don't abide by society's rules yeah. or my favorite and the worst explanation, it's it's men hysterical. who drop off their, yeah, yeah hysterical we're women,
1: hysterical. So like men mm-hmm. that
0: drop off their wives because they no longer want to be with them. I mean, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. And then, so those are kind of the first few I had in mind. And then I also have a really good thriller by Riley Sager. It's called The only one left.
1: Oh, I read that.
0: Yep. Okay. That Mm -hmm. one I gave actually to Madison Kelly, your Mm -hmm. daughter, for her birthday this year. But that one was really good. And then if you like a more horror version, and I'll tell you the movie already sucks, don't look it up on Hulu. It's called No Exit by Taylor Adams. And that one had me on the edge of my seat, just freaked out. And it was really, really good. So you just
1: gave me the books for the year. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> um, real quick though um, when women rule the world so I started wor- watching on Netflix there mm-hmm. are a number of um, series there's two right now that are out that are narrated by Jada Pinkett Smith one mm. is called Cleopatra mm. so it tells yeah the not the Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> version of Cleopatra <laughs> to the to the point of what she actually probably looked like Yep. Um her relationship with Mark Antony and Julius Caesar and what she did. Like she was the last Egyptian mm-hmm. pharaoh. And then the other one is about African warriors. So we we saw uh earlier this year again um uh the movie with, Vi- with Viola Davis, um yep. you know, uh Oh shucks. Woman, Woman King. King. Woman King, mm-hmm. excuse me. So this is about these African queens or warriors, warriors actually, uh, during the time of the slave trade and the Portuguese um, sort of colonization of Western Africa. And again, stories that you don't know that were not told about um, these women who sort of took charge in their own way and became strategists to, to really keep their lineage keep themselves alive so i'm looking forward to reading when women rule the world because i just started yeah i just finished watching those two um series so i recommend those two
0: yeah i want to watch those series yeah yeah and so my next question for you all and probably a final one based on timing
1: unfortunately is what are you currently reading early reading that's a hard one but i think i i shared um with principal Cafele that this book barracoon by zora neale hurston um i finished it so my current reading is shifting to octavia butler's books but um this book uh is one that uh will absolutely sort of give you another perspective on the enslaved, the the, the slave trade. Mm -hmm. And this is a story about Cujo Lewis, who his family were on the final slave ship that came into America. And it came after the law forbade the slave trade. Mm -hmm. And they have found the pieces of the ship. They found the the um, sort of ancestry lineage of this of Kujo and his family. And they actually have a town in Alabama called Africa Town um, that all of his sort of relatives and people live. So this is this book was written by Zora Neale Hurston, which many of her books are being banned in schools. So bam bigots, not books. And she um and she does this autobiography sort of of of, of this uh, family. Um, so I recommend this book if you really want to know some of mm-hmm. the, the atrocities, but also like the story of a family who who became resilient and persistent after coming to America.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um so I am finishing up The Immortal Life. Uh, yes. Of Henrietta Lacks, I gotta. I want to finish this before so I can go down to see the uh, monument dedicated to her. I'm um, go with you. And, okay, and yep. everyone should read this because if you want to know how how we created the COVID vaccine, how, thanks, thank Henrietta and her genes, the HeLa yep. gene. HeLa Henrietta <laughs> Lacks, HeLa, HeLa yep. uh-huh. gene came from her, and polio and so many others, and then the one. Um, And and I mentioned um, Demon Copperhead. This is the Barbara King Solver. It was an Oprah book, but it's the winner of the Pulitzer Prize. Um, It's going to take me a while. Um, Mm -hmm. So that one. But this one I just got. And so social media can be good. And there's a gentleman on TikTok that I follow. And he wrote this book called Sleeping with the Ancestors um mm-hmm. how i followed the footprints of slavery and what he did is he actually went to in i think it's north carolina south carolina he went to many of the plantations and slept in the slave quarters that still exist there mm-hmm. to he, because yeah. he wanted to feel the ancestors yeah. he wanted to and he wrote the then he did the research of who lived here who was here um Kendra, I need to look. I don't think he went as far as Virginia because I know your ancestors yes, come from the Berkeley plantation in Virginia. Um, but when I saw, it, and so what he does on TikTok is he he takes you and walks you into on film on video into these um, plantations and where he slept and stayed and tells you the story of all these different places. So wow. I just got this one because I love his videos. They're just yeah. the history behind them are amazing, but the fact that he stayed overnight in those, um, shacks and huts that were left behind, um, and then told their stories is intriguing to me.
0: That's good. I I like writing these down in my Goodreads as you guys are speaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I lied. I have one more question, but this is a nice transition (laughs) into the second part of this, which is if you wrote a book about your life, what would the title be? unwrapped you can't use again and don't say hot flashes
1: (laughs) i'm hot that's the title of my i'm yeah uh
2: wow
1: i i I know exactly what it would be and i i don't know if i could say it go for it fuck it
0: i like it that is the name of the
1: book (laughs) my husband's my husband's book will get, we get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> that would be the Jason Bass version. And mine just be like those two words. I got two words for you. Fuck it.
2: <laughs> I like Love yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. I love it. That's it. Uh, mine would be The Peacekeeper. Oh. Because when, when Kendra and I wrote our, our book together, we wrote our origin stories more times than we probably ever <laughs> wanted to but i found a pattern of how i showed up from a very early age of being the peacekeeper in my family in school in high mm-hmm. school in college in work and it did not serve me and so you know maybe it's something around you know breaking the the break breaking the pattern of being a peacekeeper i don't know but but that were that is how i kind of described who i was and how I want to disrupt that.
0: I love that. I love both of those. Those are great titles. Well, we have a second part to this coming up, but thank you so much for participating in the first part. This was so good. I luckily enough get to edit this. So I get to listen again and write down these books for a second time, but thank you both so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you. for having us, Kendall. And everybody stay tuned for part two coming in a couple weeks. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. The Book Club episode. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested in any of the books that were discussed in this episode or any of the episodes, they're always listed in the show notes. Now, before you go, I want to announce that the Unofficial Book Club podcast has launched its first book club on the Fable app. I'm super, super excited about it. It will be moderated by me, Ken Gaber, but please join along and read with me. If you don't know what the Fable app is, it's this incredible app where all these different book clubs can exist online and people from across the world can join in to read alongside one another, commenting, sharing, posting, et cetera. And you feel like you're a part of a community reading a book together. And that's what I really want to bring. I feel like with my guests, I get to hear about so many different amazing books across so many different genres. And so to be able to bring that to life in a space where we can interact, me and the listeners and my friends and family, that's what I most want. So starting in October, we will be reading our first book. And because it's spooky season, it's got to be a spooky season book. So the first book of the month is... Payback's a Witch by Lana Harper. I've heard nothing but good things about this book, so I'm super excited to read it. And I've picked our November read as well, which is going to be One Dark Window by Rachel Gillig. So, if you find that our October read Payback's a Witch is not for you, then join us in November to read One Dark Window, which is more of a fantasy book. Again, one I've heard nothing but good things about, so I'm super excited. But please join whenever you want each month when a book feels like it's calling to you and read alongside, comment, share, reach out to me on Instagram with any book suggestions if you have any, because starting in December, I'm gonna be putting out polls on Instagram to see what books you all would want to read next. But in the meantime, join me in October to read Payback's a Witch" by Lana Harper, and then in November for One Dark window by Rachel Gillig. I'm so excited to start this and, see where it goes. Thanks everyone. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at unofficialbookclubpod and don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends.